Hello, and welcome to the weekly market podcast from BNP Paribas Asset Management. I'm Daniel Morris, Senior Investment Strategist, uh, and we have something new for you this week. Normally, we talk about uh, different tradable asset classes, equities, fixed income, currencies. Uh, this week, we have a treat. We're going to be talking about private debt and real assets with David Bushusha who is the CIO of our private debt and real assets business here at BNP Paribas Asset Management. But before we start asking David questions, uh, still we need to discuss a bit what's been going on in the markets. Uh, after clearly what's been several weeks since the lows in March of really good returns, certainly for equities, uh, if you step back and look, you see that really markets haven't advanced all that much over the last month. And that reflects what has been, honestly, a mix of generally positive, but also uh, somewhat less positive data. Now, on the positive side, we'll start with the good news. We, generally speaking, are still getting better than expected economic data. For example, you had the U.S. Services, PMI, or ISM. Uh, they came in much better than expected earlier this week. We also got better than expected data for industrial production for France and for Italy. Not quite so good for Germany, but overall encouraging. So that's been the support for the market. Uh, what's been a little bit less good is the data that we've had, particularly coming out of the U.S. Uh, around the pandemic. And it's not so much the increase in infections, even though certainly that's clearly a worry. But what the markets really have been focused on uh, instead of the increasing infection rate, has been the declining death rate. So that's been the good news, if you will, even as infections have risen, uh, people being hospitalized, people dying from COVID-19 had actually been falling. Uh, now, what's happened is over really just the last few days, that tendency in the death rates has turned. And we've had some higher numbers for the death rates over the last three days. We hope, of course, that this is just a blip. But given that we've had three days in a row, this is something we haven't seen for a while. Uh, that's something else that the markets are focusing on to try to determine is this a real change in the trend, because clearly there are quite significant implications if that's the case. So what we need to be doing to assess uh, whether or not this is going to happen, what kind of data we should be looking at, uh, we should be paying attention to employment data, consumer sentiment and demand, and consumer income. Now, importantly, we're aware that there has been a partial reversal of the lockdowns in the U.S., uh, states either pausing or reversing. But so far, that's really focused just on, for example, uh, closing restaurants or not allowing restaurants and bars to open. And that really impacts just a small part of the economy. It's only about 3%. And so the impact on employment uh, should be equally small. So, so far, uh, it really doesn't seem to be touching a lot of people, though clearly this could change. Uh, for example, we look at what's happening in Australia and Melbourne, where they are starting to impose a broader lockdown. Again, encouragingly, the initial jobless claims data that we got for the U.S. Uh, also indicate uh, a continuing improvement, but it is quite early days, and you really wouldn't expect uh, a slowdown to show up quite yet in that data. But that's certainly one thing that we do need to be watching. Uh, another point uh, is retail sales. We've talked about how the data has been better than expected in the U.S. and in the U.K. We also got 
good data for Europe. So from that point of view, still looks encouraging. Uh, but on the other hand, if you look at more timely credit card data uh, from the U.S., you do start to see a slowdown, particularly in those states where you had the biggest increase in infection. So the concern being um, that as people get more nervous uh, about the safety of the environment, they're going to be less willing, certainly, to go back to shops uh, the way they might have done uh, a few weeks ago. And then finally, I mentioned income because we're coming up to the point where governments have to decide to what degree they're going to extend uh, or expand support initiatives, either for businesses or for individuals. We've seen, say, in Spain and in the UK, they've actually increased and extended some of their support. Uh, it's still being debated in the U.S., and this is another thing the markets are concerned about. Uh, to what degree, certainly ahead of the U.S. election, politics are going to play a part in that decision. That's the recap for the markets then, I said, however, this week, the focus is going to be on private debt and real assets. So I'm going to turn to David and ask him our first question. So the private debt and real assets division within BNP Paribas Asset Management offers investors diversified exposure to the real economy. At the moment, though, the real economy is going through a rough patch. And some observers are saying the worst is yet to come. What is your view on the outlook for investments in private debt and real assets? Yes, Daniel. I think what, what you just said is, is, is very true. Uh, the uh, pandemic impact on the real economy is, is for sure yet to come. Uh, one reason for this, actually, is that uh, the pandemic has hit a lot, a number of borrowers. But in the same time, the, the reaction from uh, monetary authorities and from governments, especially through granted loans for companies, has been immediate and very strong. So it means that just at the moment of the pandemic, uh, the impact on corporates has not been huge in terms of increase of defaults. But what has definitely increased for sure is uh, the perception of credit risk. And this has been true across the board. And this is something also that is very much observable in the more liquid markets, like the leverage loans market, where, where issuers are, are publicly rated. And the first impact we have seen in the market is a huge wave of downgrades in the leverage loan market, and very unusually, sometimes downgrades immediately by two to three notches for companies which are most impacted by the pandemic. That being said, the other very important word you used during uh, your question is diversified exposure. And I think that more than ever, investors will benefit from this diversification by being selective because the pandemic impact, we think, is going to have very different impact and be very heterogeneous depending on where you are going to invest. We at PDRA, to give you an idea, are active in corporate lending, in infrastructure lending, and in real estate lending. When you look at those three areas, you see that corporates for sure are the segments where you have most impact. But even then, you have a lot of heterogeneity. You will find some corporates, some SMEs, whose business models are going to be structurally be impacted by the crisis. And so here you are going to be very, very cautious and we are going to be very cautious in our investment committees. 
On the other hand, you have a lot of corporates which have business models which are either only temporarily impacted by the pandemic and provided that they benefit from support, they should be okay in the future. And you have also a lot of companies which are very resilient because they are in sectors where the pandemic is either neutral in terms of impact or even perhaps beneficial when you are in sectors like health. When you think of real estate, it's a bit the same. You have a lot of heterogeneity. Uh, we are active, for instance, in the hospitality sector. And here, for sure, immediately there is an impact uh, from the pandemic. But when you look at assets, you will find a lot of differences depending on the exact positioning of the asset. And in the real estate, commercial real estate uh, sector, I think you can expect to see going forward a lot of differentiation between uh, logistics, between offices, between hospitality, and within offices, uh, those projects which uh, offer space uh, to, uh, to large corporates, which is adapted to the new conditions set by the pandemic, are going to benefit potentially from the crisis. Lastly, and, and I want to, uh, to emphasize this, in the infrastructure uh, sector, I think we have an asset class uh, which is uh, extremely resilient, or at least extremely resilient, the way we at PDRA address it. For sure, there are parts of the, of the sector uh, which are going to be impacted, especially in the transport sector, in the airports, for instance. But when you are, as we are, uh, very much focused on uh, renewable or telecom assets because of the sustainability bias, you are on asset classes which are very, very resilient to the crisis. The last point about the impact of the pandemic, I think that uh, from any crisis, there can be also some good. And uh, in our case for private debt, the good thing is that we can expect a general repricing of risk. And it's usually the case that after crisis, the vintages of funds after crisis are good vintages because you can benefit from a repricing of risk. And in a way, it's good that there is a bit of repricing in this market. Thanks very much, David. One of the themes over at least the last decade with quantitative easing, of course, has been the hunt for yield and how uh, increasingly difficult that has become. And a lot of times uh, people now look for alternative investments and private debt and real assets or PDRA, as you refer to them, uh, come up often on that list. So with few assets broadly offering the kind of yield that investors would like to see, uh, what about investing in private debt and real assets? What's your opinion uh, about the role for PDRA in the hunt for yield? The hunt for yield, uh, in my view, is going to be a major topic in the years to come, uh, both because of, of reasons linked to the asset side and reasons linked to the liability side. On the asset side, it's very clear that uh, the actions from military authorities is likely uh, to imply that for long, and probably much longer than we thought uh, before the pandemic, we are going to be in a low-yield uh, environment and an environment where the liquidity premium that can offer a private uh, asset is going to be very valuable. And it's also true on the liability uh, side because there are a lot of players 
who now need to uh, to look for yield in order to face uh, the liabilities that they are going to have in the years to come in an environment uh, where they may have their own difficulties, uh, if you think of pensions, uh, for instance. That being said, what we've observed during the crisis was uh, extremely fascinating because we, we are talking about liquidity premium here. Actually, the first impact of the pandemic has been that in March, April, suddenly this famous liquidity premium vanished and even turned negative because, of course, uh, the public spreads went to the sky and for a while it was uh, really the good bet to do to invest in investment grade bonds, in high yield bonds at the historic peak of, uh, of yields. But again, and it's similar to what we've seen during the great financial crisis, uh, the, the Fed and the ECB and BOE action is now coming to play. We see uh, now uh, a return to what uh, we've seen before, which is that we have this liquidity premium, which is uh, coming back. And I think this will be amplified in the months and years to come because, as I said before, in any crisis like this, one consequence is that normally you expect a significant repricing in the loans market. So we expect, especially in the corporate uh, segment, that we will have some repricing in the loan market. And so I expect that, again, uh, the post-crisis vintages should be a very good vintages because if you have some money to invest now in the three years to come, you can be a patient investor, that's very important. You can be selective and you can progressively wait to see uh, better prices come and invest very gradually and very patiently. And so I think it's going to be a theme in the next years to hunt for yield, but also to be very selective and to be patient enough to pick the right credit at the right price. Now, one of the themes uh, that's certainly very important to BNC Paribas Group as a whole, uh, and increasingly important to investors are uh, ESG criteria, and more and more investors are asking for investments based on ESG criteria and adopting a sustainable financial perspective. Where do you see opportunities in private debt and real assets in this respect? Adapting sustainability standards in, in, in private credit management is both crucial and, to be frank, challenging. And I, I will first start by the challenge because it's important to understand why it's challenging. The challenging part comes from the fact that when you are in the private space, and especially when you talk about SME lending, for instance, you are obviously in a space where companies are doing much less reporting. Companies are facing uh, much less regulatory constraints on what to disclose, what they do. Information uh, is, is not available by nature. It's, it's called private and information is not standardized, and information is scarce. So being serious about adopting sustainability criteria in management is something which is very challenging because you need first to have data, to have information, to be able to judge if a company basically is fit and proper, if a company is, is doing well on sustainability. Now, the good news here is that uh, we at PDRA, I think, are, are well aligned with uh, uh, the desire of investors 
which is to uh, apply those sustainability standards to private investing, and more importantly, to really do it seriously. What I mean by doing it seriously is by gathering data and by having a real analysis on the issuers that we have in our portfolios. So the way we see it is that to, to be able to answer to this need, which is really a, a strong desire for, from investors, you need to invest. You need to invest time. You need to invest uh, in terms of thought leadership in order to understand how you can gather the data, how you can score companies in a context where information is private. And so that's what we are doing in our various uh, strategies. And when you are in the private credit sector, you need to be uh, agile. You need to, to have innovative ideas, actually, uh, to do it. So to give you uh, just two examples, in our uh, SME uh, strategies, even for the smallest SMEs that we finance, we systematically uh, send them questionnaires, uh, standardized uh, questionnaires, to ask what their policies are, how they implement them, and of course, then we work with our sustainability center in order to know how uh, they embed uh, sustainability in, in their governance and social and environmental policy. Uh, another example is on uh, infrastructure. Uh, in our infrastructure investing, we always measure the carbon impact of any uh, project we are financing and we report on it to investors. And by the way, I am very proud that we were recently uh, awarded Best Infrastructure Fund of the Year for Sustainability uh, Approach. In terms of investor behavior, what I expect is that this will continue to be amplified because investors realize that, first, this is a must. Uh, they have to care about the planet. They have to. And also despite the lack of really uh, enough scientific data to, to, to measure it completely statistically, the recent pandemic, if anything, proved that, for instance, in, in a field like infrastructure, having uh, a bias toward sustainability is something which is protective because you better be in renewable energy and telecom rather than on airports, uh, for instance, in, in, in the current times. So I expect the trend to amplify and I also expect our investors, and by the way, also regulators, to be demanding. I mean, it's good to say uh, you apply sustainability in, your, in the way you manage, but you have to be able to demonstrate you are really serious about it, that you have science behind this, that you put really a uh, uh, commitment uh, to analyze sustainability criteria when you invest. And this is really what uh, we at BNP Bank strive to do at PDRA and uh, with the help of the Sustainability Center. Thanks very much for that, David. If I can summarize uh, what we just learned. First point was that it's true that the impact of the pandemic really hasn't shown up quite yet in the real economy. Certainly a lot of investors are anticipating corporate defaults and the like, but they haven't happened yet, uh, hopefully won't to the degree that's fear, but nonetheless, certainly it's going to increase. And equally, the perception of credit risk has increased. And we've already seen 
significant downgrades, for example, in the leverage loan market, uh, the opportunity in that then is to take advantage of diversification, the assets that the private debt and real assets group invest in, corporate real estate infrastructure, uh, allows them to be selective uh, about the investments that they decide to take. Uh, and it's also important when they're evaluating those investments to differentiate between those sectors, those companies, where they may be just temporarily affected by the pandemic uh, and, in fact, some perhaps even benefiting, uh, as opposed to those that might see more sustained damage because of the consequences of coronavirus. Next question was around the hunt for yield, certainly something that's important for many of our listeners. Uh, he certainly thinks that's going to continue to be an important thing. Central bank support uh, not going away, yields likely to stay low, and the illiquidity premium that a lot of investors look for in private debt and real assets uh, certainly will continue to be important. Uh, but again, that'll be the opportunity for those with patience. Uh, and those that can be selective about the investments that they make, that is exactly where you should see the opportunity to pick up some yield in these investments that is otherwise quite difficult to find. And then finally, the impact of ESG on this particular space. Uh, David acknowledged that it's very important, but also quite challenging. I mean, by definition, these are private assets. So you don't have the information uh, easily available to hand the way you might have for some other investments. Uh, but again, that's the opportunity. If you have an institution like BMP, where ESG is a fundamental belief, uh, we are making the investments. We have our sustainability center uh, that looks into all these criteria. We send questionnaires to the companies we're thinking of investing in. Uh, and as a reflection of that, uh, one of the funds in David's group has won an award uh, for uh, the best infrastructure investment fund. So congratulations for that. Well, that's it. That's all we have time for this week. If you do have any further questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. Thank you again for listening in and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.